What's going on, guys? And welcome to the 50 Plus One Football Podcast, your home for all things Premier League and Bundesliga. I'm Billy, and I love him as much as I love the Oktoberfest kits we see in the Bundesliga. This Lewis. You gotta you gotta have a soft spot for the wine red, as I think Adidas called it. Anyways, Billy, he's happy with his Oktoberfest kit. It's finally been mailed to him. But we have a nice little host of topics for you today, as Billy said, which does include a look at the North London Derby and Arsenal's season. All of a sudden, top of the league again. How long will they be able to keep it up? Then we will have a look at the man, the myth, the behemoth, Erling Haaland. And we'll have to also look at Liverpool struggling as they haven't struggled in a good few seasons. And of course, Hand in hand with that, Deserby and his takeover at Brighton. Then we will move over to the Bundesliga, where we will obviously have a look at Bayern. Crisis averted or still ongoing. And we'll also have to have a look at Borussia Dortmund. Again, do we have to talk about mentality? Their defending is definitely not up to standard. And then we'll have to look at Gladbach, the inconsistency at that club is baffling. All that more right after this. Well, you said it. Shall we start with the man, the myth, the freak of nature that is Erling Haaland? And I've I've got before we talk unbelievable. Before we talk, you know, a hat trick of hat tricks in his last three games. Uh, I just want to give you uh, some goal comparisons quickly. Oh, yes, please. So for the first we love one, stats at AT Sports. We love them. But the first 100 appearances in a major European league career for four strikers. So Cristiano Ronaldo, 16 goals. Lionel Messi, 41 goals. Your man, Robert Lewandowski, 43. Harry Kane, 45. Ruud van Nistelrooy. 77, a Brazilian Ronaldo, 86, Erling Haaland in 100 senior European league appearances has 103 goals. He's just a freak of nature. I mean, what else can you call him? A A machine, a nightmare for anyone but Manchester City fans? I don't know. He must even make his own teammates quiver in their boots during training well did you just on that did you hear what pep guardiola said about the comparisons between people saying oh you know you've worked with one fantastic player in Lionel messi where do you where does Haaland compare and he was there the difference erling needs maybe all his teammates to do it Un- unbelievable messi had the ability to do it all by himself so you know he's he scored goals for Borussia dortmund but now he's got better players around him. He's going to score unprecedented levels. I said to a, a City fan yesterday, you know, there's, the, the, there's a difference between this and City are an orchestra. Yeah. Everything is on song. Everything's perfect. Everything is the way it should be. I'd argue everything up to like the 99th percentile because obviously allowing three goals in that derby yesterday 
probably not what Pep Guardiola had in mind, especially those two late ones. You know, allowing the one off goal, then yeah. But, you know, the two late ones, I think, definitely were will have Pep Guardiola kind of kind of miffed. Yeah, okay. Allowing allowing Stone Cold Tony Martial to come off the bench and score twice. It's probably not what Pep had in mind. But Oh hell no. You know, you sent this to me earlier. He's nine goals away from uh, matching last season's golden boot tally. And there's you know, it's 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 only just thirty games October. left. It's only just October. Thirty games. This guy is gonna and if he scores a goal a game, just think about that. Just has to score one goal a game. And we're talking about a guy who's done three goals for the last three games. He just has to score one goal a game and he'll already smash the Premier League record by a million miles. He is making Alan Shearer look normal. Okay, let's let's not let's not get, you know, silly here. But because I'm, so, I'm sorry, but, but he's, he's we, breaking those records. Is he though? Because I'd wager he'll move on before he gets close to it. Because like that, like that you know, like we, bet. That is a like fair we bet. said, he, yeah, like we said when he's he signed, plan. there is that release clause. Granted, it's and 150 he, million euros. Yeah, no, but a, a bunch of people, you know, have been saying, you know, yeah, the Haaland plan is really just to kind of use City as a stepping stone to move on to bigger and better things, aka Real Madrid. Which, if Ooh. anything. I, I know City in terms of longevity and in terms of the Real Madrids of, of the world are a relatively new team. That's incredibly fucking disrespectful to a team that's won pretty much everything but the Champions League and the Europe and the uh like you know the Super Cup, but Oh, it definitely is. I'm not saying it I'd say that it's definitely a I'd say it's almost a slap in the face. And I think that release clause, all the City fans were just so in uproar that they actually got Erling Haaland, that you know, they got the star striker. I think a lot of people have overlooked that release clause. A lot of people haven't taken a minute to, you know, sit down and say, shit, he might only be here for two years. And as much as, like, believe me, I don't want to be, like, gleeful at City's expense or anything. But I think... You know, as as much as there has been said about Edding Hunter, I mean, he got to Borussia Dortmund and everyone at Dortmund was already like, he's going to be gone in the next couple of years if he keeps going on like this. And arguably, he didn't just keep going on like he did at Salzburg. He surpassed all expectations and then some, which is why he's now defecating on every single Premier League back line he plays against. To think that there were some people who would say, oh, he's done it only in the Bundesliga, he'll struggle in the Premier League. He's wiping the floor with the top defenders in that league. He doesn't need, there is no defensive line that could probably contain him. Uh, Well, he didn't score against Bournemouth, so that's a massive win for Lloyd Kelly, Jefferson Lerma and Chris Meppham. But you know, City did win that game four 0 I think I think he got a couple of assists. So, well, yeah, you know. exactly. I mean, it's it's not like he didn't just score a hat trick against against you guys. It was a hat trick, and then he also assisted Phil Foden twice, who incidentally also got a hat trick. So, 
it's just not a good day for you, was it? No. Uh, no, I don't. I prefer not to. Speak. I know, I know, I know. We said we said we wouldn't talk about it because it just it, you can't. We just shouldn't be taking away from the fact that City are just now they found that missing puzzle piece. I think I saw some reel on Instagram where it was just like that's just a cheat code. Okay, because so, all that City were missing were were was a number nine. Yeah, I I call bullshit on Pep Guardiola crying saying we cannot replace him when Sergio bullshit. <laughs> He's done more than replace him. I'm sorry, but Erling Haaland has Erling Haaland's more lethal than Sergio Aguero. Big, big shout right now. Saying it right now. Again, these comparisons, I don't like them because he hasn't been there as do you know what I mean? He hasn't been there as long. For all we know, he could break his break his leg. And and score two goals next season. You know, it's it, of of course, yeah, of course, but if put it this way. My counter argument to that is nothing has to happen to him. He just has to keep on doing what he's doing and he will surpass any striker that has come before him. Granted, just as well, he could break his leg, but just as well, he could keep on. Like what I'm saying is that would be something that has to happen. Him doing what he's doing right now is not, you know, in that sense, out of the ordinary. Something definitely out of the ordinary would have to happen for Erling Haaland not to surpass the players that have come before him. That's what I'm saying. Okay, so let's say he does stay at City for, uh, let's say, a maximum of three seasons. I wouldn't say he's, I w- like, yeah, so two the, to the, three, three the, max. The, the summer of 2025. Yeah. He goes, he goes to Real Madrid for... 150 million pounds which they will have because they always do when he leaves man city will they have won the champions league (laughs) because that's that's the missing thing similar to psg that's the obsession and my argument there is that man city are miles ahead of psg in that standpoint because they actually have a proper project and a clear philosophy of where that club is supposed to be going and yet they still don't have a Champions League. Arguably the, yeah, you know, I reveled in that defeat to Real Madrid, as you well know. Uh, but <laughs> yeah, but that's just that's just you with your red devil glasses on. Like, come on. <laughs> but the final against Chelsea, they were massive favourites. Yeah, yeah. You know, and every year people seem to think, oh, you know, they'll blitz through the group stages and the the round of 16 and potentially the quarters. But is there, is this the missing piece? Is Haaland the missing piece to, to that puzzle? Because I want a conversation with everyone that came at me saying, oh, well, it's only because he scored in the Bundesliga. He's really going to struggle in the Premier League. Well, I'll be honest with you. One of the things that actually makes me, you know, a little bit wary of the fact that, you know, City haven't pulverized everything in their wake, if that makes sense. You know, they're they're not top of the league. It's not like City have put this picture-perfect thing, which, in my opinion, most of the time when a team wins the Champions League, or at least in my memory, that team has not had a picture-perfect 
season in that sense. My thing with City was always that when they were winning, when they became Centurions, you know, they've dusted everything in the Premier League. And in the Premier League, they seem to not have had a fault. But in the Champions League, it always never worked. So I think there is a genuine, genuine chance that because it's not, because they won't have the full focus on the Premier League, that the Champions League title is now up for grabs. They'll still go up there and pro- and will definitely have a title race. I'm not saying they're not going to, you know, go for the title race and it won't be close. But I'm saying now that City have now tasted that title a couple times, almost too many in the last couple seasons, for them to be going full tilt towards that title. And you know, when crunch time comes around, that the March, April knockout stages, that City maybe look more uh, at focusing their efforts on the Champions League. So yes, and. You know, to top it all off, Erling Haaland, for me, that is just the missing puzzle piece. They needed that number nine who was out of this world. And, you know, you know his leaping goal against Dortmund, you know, that was Ibrahimovic-like. And the way he put himself into space, the way he was, the way he moves is just, it's out of this world. So, yes, City will win the Champions League at some point while he's there. Uh, before we move on, uh, there's a little bit of an insight into the uh, the reason as to why his last three home games for Man City, he scored hat-tricks against Palace, Forest and United. Uh, his dad, before his last three home games, has made him lasagna. Alfie Haaland's homemade lasagna is the secret to, you know, I'm potentially world peace at this point because three hat-tricks in three home games back-to-back-to-back is obscene. Yeah, okay, if if Haaland doesn't now have the Man City team chef flying in his dad for the pre-match meal every day, wouldn't surprise me. Well, there we go. Let us know in the comments. We'll also put a, a poll and a, and a post out as well. Let us know how many goals will Erling Haaland score. Will he win the Champions League while he's at Man City? But now let's talk about the team that's one point up ahead of Man City. And let's talk Arsenal. And there's a former City player that's uh, having a bit of a revival in North London. Yeah, I mean, who would have thought that one? Gabriel Jesus. I'm guaranteeing you, most of the people were like, ah, yeah, you know, he might have, you know, the odd goal for Arsenal, but it's not really going to click for him. Well, you know? it's... Uh... <laughs> Gabriel they'll, Jesus. they'll be putting their even bigger feet into their even larger mouths, as Chandler once said. Uh, well, seeing as we we a bit of a, a slut for stats, I think we're going to call it. I've got another there one. There you go. Gabriel Jesus has never lost a Premier League game for either Manchester City or Arsenal in which he scored. 51 games, 63 goals, no defeats. That is a stat and a half. You know, I mean, you can look at that two ways. You can look at that as being, you know, uh, he only scores when the team they're playing are shite. <laughs> Cynical or, way of looking at it. <laughs> or he only scores when the team are playing well, which is the less cynical way of looking at it. But like you said, you look at the at Harlan's goal against Dortmund. City were awful that night. Yeah. 
Gabriel Jesus probably doesn't score in that situation. I mean, there's very few players that would score a goal like that anyway, but no. in, in general, he wouldn't score like that. But it's, here's, I, here's... I want to look a little bit further back quickly. And I'm going to mention a name, Granite Xhaka. <laughs> We've slighted him so often on this podcast as well. Just We have, but no player in my memory has gone from outhouse to penthouse in quite spectacular fashion as Granite Xhaka. Man of the match in the North London Derby against Tottenham. Man of the match. Yeah, well, he was also September's uh, player of the month for Arsenal. Uh, with 83% of the fan vote, which you look at a few months ago, a couple of seasons ago, you know, where he's, where he's, you know, jeering the fans and cupping his he ear. and booed th- off by his own fans and he's got the armband taken away from yeah, him. Yeah, you know, throwing the armband and throwing his shirt away, fans booing him off. To get 83% of Arsenal fans voting for you for player of the month is pretty spectacular. I was about to say, the Arsenal fan base also one of the most toxic fan bases. <laughs> It's like you know, he he's a good player. Yeah. And the attitude's probably let him down. But yeah, but was, there was a reason that Gladbach got the money they did. Yeah, exactly. And Arsene Wenger knew what he was doing. Exactly. You know, Arsene Wenger in 2016 said, I like him as a box-to-box midfielder. He has the engine, the power, the long pass. He knew what he was doing when he bought him from Gladbach. But it came at a time where Arsenal really weren't very good. Yeah, I was about to say, it's almost it was almost wasted at that point in time. But now you have that perfect setup where that a year, and this is what I think was one of the keys, is, you know, they had the youngest squad in the Prem last year. And now they've had a year to kind of gel and click. They've got the appropriate players in the appropriate positions and they needed some and some of those players needed some time they needed some time and now granite jacka for instance has the experience he's one of the most experienced guys in that squad and he can kind of, but he has the young players around him to you know feed him get and also get into the spaces where he can play the ball into him and, you know having a a bukayo saka on that wing unbelievable you know, just think of a long diagonal pass from Granite Jacka to Bukayo Saka. But then you also have Granite Jacka, who incidentally scores a 3-1 in the North London Derby and, you know, puts the game to bed. That's, you know, we've seen, you talk about the revival of Gabriel Jesus. We have to talk about the revival of uh, Granite Jacka. Yeah, and, you know, to be fair, to, uh, to be fair to Mikel Arteta, we're slated a tremendous amount, you know, that they yeah. weren't good enough, they weren't playing well, but he stuck to his guns, he stuck to his his way of doing things and shipped out Abamyang. Yeah. And they've now got a fantastic team. You know, William Saliba, I know it's early days yet, but him and Gabriel, obviously, you know, there's mistakes in them still. And yeah, Ben White, Ben White's not a right back. No, I'm sorry. Yeah. They bought him for the obscene amount of money they did to put him at center back. I don't know why he's playing right back. But, you know, we we have, as you just said, we slated um, Mikel Arteta for so long. But that guy also has a clear plan of what he's doing. And, you know, I think if more managers were given the time in the Premier League to stick to their guns and actually pull their system through to the end, 
we might have seen a couple more big teams succeed. You know, obviously, you know, things change, circumstances change, but yeah, Martin Odegaard's finally showing the quality that I think Real Madrid thought he would, that he never really did when he was there. And Gabriel, I'm so Martin, happy that that, yeah, yeah. You know, I remember being being sat in school and all this hype around Martin Odegaard. This what was he 14 at the time? No, he's 16, and he was transferred to Real Madrid for a whopping 4.2 million. Well, there we go. You know, I remember being sat in school going, that's insane. He must be ridiculous. And it just never happened. Yeah, that's what I'm saying. You know, I'm so happy that he's just finally, you know, he didn't end up a player who then, you know, washed up and is now playing in some fourth tier crap league somewhere in France or whatever. You know, he's he's gotten to where he, he should have and arguably, you know, still has a ways to go. And, you know, we can be excited to see what what he has to offer. And and obviously the other one is Gabriel Martinelli, which if he can stay fit, which it has been the issue for Martinelli, he will be another, you know, fantastic yeah. player. He's only 21, but again, it's that injury record. And obviously I'd Spurs say, yeah. made it easy for them and with the sending off of, of Emerson Royale, who is just awful. Yeah. But, you know, t- today, Antonio Conte's come out, you know, fans are crying out to see Jed Spence play for Spurs. He's come out and said, well, pretty much every manager must want to shout at the top of their lungs when fans demand a, a certain player to start. Like, I see him every day and, and he's just not ready. Yeah, I mean, I I don't know. So many, so many times, you know, fans thinking, you know, everyone's been there. Everyone at some point has thought, you know, they knew better than the guy who's managing their team. But. Yeah, as you said, the guys who are seeing them week in, week out, every day, they know what's what's going down. Exactly. Well, there we go. Let us know how well you think Arsenal will get on this season. Will or can they keep this current form up? Will they maintain their place at the top of the table? But uh, I think it's time to take a, a quick look at the runners up from last year. That's really not going very well. Well, let's talk about Liverpool. And the defence really is the crux of the issue there, isn't it? Because they're scoring goals. It's not like they're not scoring, but that defence, that that back line is just not what it used to be. I mean, I say that, you know, obviously it's a dip in form, but that is a long-ass dip in form, my friend. Like Virgil van Dijk, man, the way he let through that cross to the for the 3-3 um, against Brighton, Virgil van Dijk last season does not make that. Does not do that. He does not let an easy cross like that just fly through his own box. It's, I, it's it's difficult because obviously you know they they say when you come back from an injury like Van Dyke had, it's difficult to be the same, which is true. Yeah. But some of these are basic things. But it's not Van Dyke that I want to pick up on, you know. Yeah, it's true. I'm. I was about to say. I think the the, you know, I, I don't want to spoil it or you know, take it away from you, but I think, you know, Van Dyke. Yes, he's not doing too well, but the big one is. Well, the the big ones, Trent. Yeah. Again, because it it was creeping in. Well, he's never been fantastic defensively, anyway. Let's just put that yeah, out but, there. But it's yeah, but more no one... and more and more. 
because yeah, when no one no one wanted to see it because of what he brought to Liverpool attacking wise. Well, that's the thing. It's because Van Dijk was solid, Matip was solid. They had Andy Roberts on the other side. They weren't losing games. They weren't conceding goals. Exactly. Now they are. It's been more exposed. And you know, uh, Frank Leboeuf. Okay, arguably this is a little bit harsh, but he was like, "Look, I love the guy. His offensive qualities, but defensively, he's Championship level." I'm not and, sure if I'd go that far, but you know, yeah. I wouldn't go that far. But he can't defend. But if you take him out of the team and play someone else, you lose the attacking quality. And which that's is a big problem. Which yeah. is where Klopp has a big thing, you know, a big decision to make. But you look at the the first and the second goal, man. I mean, it's know, carbon copies of what have, what has been happening, you know week in week out almost i mean someone already has put out a compilation of trent just not running anymore he just stops running well we saw it in the community shield when granted yeah union alvarez got a consolation goal but he just stopped which i think is everyone's biggest problem like it's one of those ones it'll it'll grow it'll it'll drive coaches and and people mad Oh, when yeah. they when they see a player just well essentially give up. Yeah, because it's every time he's um oh it's it's a little bit of a wacky translation, but overplayed in that sense. So like a pass is played over his head or into the uh, into space, he just seems to stop running. Like the minute he basically thinks he can't get near the ball, he just stops running. And for me. In most of the situations where he actually stops running, you're sitting there thinking any normal wing back or fullback goes after that ball and tries to defend with all his might. Alexander Arnold stops running. And yeah, as you said, I think most coaches would just look at that and go, he just doesn't want it. You know, and obviously fan outrage is, is massive now especially with things like Twitter, but yeah. I genuinely wouldn't take him to the World Cup. Because in, in tournament-style football, you can't afford to have one bad game. No, if, you can't he, afford to have one bad play. If you have a bad game or if you stop running, that that could be it. No, I'm sorry. You can't, you can't afford to... You can't afford to even... Stop chasing after one single ball. You've got seven games max that you're playing in that tournament. And you know, if if you want to talk about okay, yeah, but what about a set piece delivery of like take care and trip you for one last World Cup? I was about to say it's not like you don't have other people who can play in a great ball. It's just and I think the way England have set up, granted, you know that display in the nations league against Germany was just, you know, shit from both sides for about 60 minutes. Yeah. But that's the thing. Trent wasn't in that squad, but if he was, it probably would have been about five, three, six, three. I guess she's probably being a bit harsh, but it's, it's, you know, exaggerating to get a point across, (laughs) but let's, let's not, slag him off too much. I know you wanted to talk about a player that you think is more important to Liverpool than some people realise. 
Yeah, and I think this is the one ray of hope, basically, that Liverpool have, and that is uh, Bobby Firmino. And you look at the fact that he's now on five goals and three assists, and everyone basically had him written off after 100 million, you know, obviously after add-ons and whatnot. But still, for the total package of 100 million, Darwin Nunez was signed. And then you look at what Darwin Nunez has produced so far this season. By the way, he's not fit to lick Haaland's boots, and everyone was saying Nunez versus Haaland is going to be the new striker uh, rivalry. Like... (laughs) I'm sorry, Haaland is destroying everything in his path, and Darwin Nunes is a petulant little child that's already gotten himself sent off in the first couple of matches for his new club. And, you know, if you're telling me, on the one hand, you've got someone who's 20, you know, he's like, yeah, he's only 23. Yeah, Haaland, how old is he? 23. Or 22, even, I think. Yeah. I mean, sorry, was, I'm sorry. Is that a question? Uh, Darwin Nunez is 23, Erling Haaland is uh, 22. Exactly. I was about to say, I was making sure I got my facts right. Anyways, after that lo- small little lapse in fact-checking, um, yeah, I'm sorry. You can't talk to me about, you know, the age being being an issue or something. You know, Darwin Nunez for $100 million, if Liverpool were serious, and I think they were for that mount- amount of money, they saw something in him, and he is not producing. Um, well, you know, which is why Bobby Firmino's now. You know, c- compared to Haaland's record, Darwin Nunez has, has got four appearances and apparently one goal and one assist. But you know, we're not here to talk about him. We are here to talk about Bobby Firmino. Yeah, because you even said that this could be his farewell tour with Liverpool. Yeah. at the beginning of the season. And I, I think I, and I agreed with you. Yeah, I agreed with you. And I thought that would be the case, but you know, now if you look at it, he scored again in the game against Brighton. You have to you you can't take away from the fact that Firmino still is not just useful but important in that lineup. And you know, we didn't we didn't think we would say that at the beginning of the season. No, I, I've had this conversation with people and it is that sort of, he does the unsexy stuff. If you know I'm sorry, what I mean. his no-look goals were still sexy. Yeah, but what I mean is it's the way he finds space, the way he creates yeah. space. He's very unselfish. Whereas yeah. you, you look at the argument and the conversation that we had last season about Mane and Salah playing in the same team, neither want to pass to each other. It's yeah. Firmino that's passing to either one of those two. It's Firmino who's putting defenders away to create the space for those two. Which when he doesn't play, when you go with Diaz, uh, Salah, and let's say Darwin Nunez. Yeah. yeah. There's no one with that unselfish to go, okay, well, I'll occupy this space. Off you two go. Yeah, exactly. And I think that's why arguably... Firmino's almost the unlucky winner of this, you know, dip in form for Liverpool. Because he is probably one of the only players right now who is consistently still putting in a performance. Yeah. And, okay, he's got 237 appearances in the Premier League. 76 goals and 54 assists. Which doesn't sound fantastic. But I'd wager 
you look at the amount of goals he's created by, like I say, occupying defenders and occupying space. That tally would go up massively. And, you know, I, I'm not going to use a, I, I'll say it, but I, I'm not suggesting for a second we implement it. I saw Liverpool fans uh, raving about a pre-assist on Twitter, as I know, and it made me violently ill. I think on that note, then, we'll not want to make Billy violently ill on this podcast. Um, I think before his we, own club have done that. They have. And before we uh, <laughs> before we move country, I just want to talk about the uh, the new Brighton manager. Because, obviously, you know, he did say when he came in, like, it's Graham Potter's team, I'm just going to sort of sprinkle my own bit on the top of it. Salt Bay. But it's the, it's the media's almost ignorance at a manager who's not been in the Premier League before coming in. Uh, and a professional Scottish shite bag, Graham Souness, <laughs> who now doesn't have Paul Pogba to go after. has gone after Jack Grealish. But that's another story for another time. <laughs> um, so he said it's a risk. You're bringing in someone who doesn't know our game. Someone with the Zerbi CV, seven jobs in nine years. If you're an outstanding coach, people want to hold on to you. Uh, Graham Potter had never managed in the Premier League before he took over at Brighton. And uh, mysteriously, uh, never got questions about it either. So I ask the question, why, Graham? You know, he's now just asking for uh, Brighton to, you know, start a challenge for European places or something. I mean, yes, I know it's a big shout and whatnot, but... You know, don't start bashing him. He could be doing so well with that club. He could be doing what Graham Potter, as you said, Graham Potter, how has Graham not gone and said, you know, oh, Brighton, they got a guy who was only technical director at the women's national team uh, level back in, you know, 06 or whenever it was. How has he now got a Brighton job? No. No one ever said that. And look at what he did. Yeah, you know, so, he, you know, he don't took... have to deserve it. Oh. He took Ostersons from the uh, from the fourth tier to the top tier. Uh, and then they had a year at Swansea and then Brighton went, yeah, okay, we've seen enough. Exactly. You know, and I don't know. I think that, that is just something that is also quintessentially English is, you know, the not, not having respect for the process. But, you know, a discussion for another time. But I think it's time to have a look at the Bundesliga. Well, shall we start with a team in crisis? It sounds weird to talk about a team in crisis after they've just won 4-0, uh, but Leverkusen are just as bad. Exactly. Uh, and, well, come on then, Lewis. What's the problem? Because it's not just the loss of Robert Lewandowski, which, if anything, I think might make, in the long term, might make Bayern less predictable going forward. Here's the thing, right? I think, you know, the, a lot of people have said, you know, yeah, they're so versatile now when they don't have Lewandowski, no one knows who to cover and whatnot. Mm. That's almost a double-edged sword because on the one hand, yeah, they're versatile. But on the other hand, I think one of the big issues was the fact that, you know, the flashiness of scoring 15 goals in your first three matches and only conceding one almost throws up like a smoke screen of what Bayern really were. And, you know, you have to just say that, you know, yeah, they brought in 
a solid amount of good new players. You know, they definitely improved on squad depth, arguably replaced Wolverine Lewandowski as good as you can without getting a full-blown number nine, which just wasn't on the market. But you have to give players like that time. And I'll fully honest, I mean, I said this, I was ranting and raving about Bayern after their first three matches on this podcast, and I fell for that smokescreen too and completely just got swept up in it. But you just have to, you know, look at the facts and say, Sadio Mane isn't going to completely function from day one in a new squad without anything. You know, he's still got to learn some new... Um, some new routes, new new tactics and whatnot. And you also are coming into a squad that is basically trying to find itself again. Because Bayern, in the long and short of it, are going to have to find themselves a new way of playing right now. Because they're not going to get a new striker in the winter. They're, at the very earliest, are getting one next year. So for one whole season, they're going to have to figure out how to play without you know having the target man up top. And I think you can't take away from the fact that Robert Lewandowski is missing because losing someone who puts away 40 to 50 consistently a season, you can't just compensate that overnight. You know, Jurgen Klopp said it as well. You know, the, the fact that people are astounded that Bayern right now are having a bit of trouble is actually a little bit uncanny because <laughs> there, you can't just say, Robert Lewandowski, yeah, it's fine. We lost him. No biggie. It's going to hurt. So I think there are issues also at Bayern that, you know, aren't just leading with the striker problem. But I think, you know, the fact that in the last couple of games, you know, excluding Leverkusen, they weren't allowed, were, they weren't able to score. Um, it's just down to the fact that they need to figure out their own way of playing. Nagelsmann has to figure that out and it's just going to take time. And obviously when you're Bayern, you don't have a lot of time. Yeah, no, it's... it's... It's the biggest team in, in Germany and there's a reason that there's expectations. But you can't pay money like that for a manager and sack him at the first sign of, of any trouble. Any team's no. going to struggle losing Robert Lewandowski. Exactly. No, I, I think that that's not even on the issue. And, and the management were very quick to basically quash any type of, of rumor that was coming that way. Um, which I think, I mean, they had to. Because, I mean, they would have looked stupid themselves if they hadn't. Uh, but, yeah, I think, you know, Nagelsmann isn't going to be, you know, on in the hot seat anytime soon in that sense. Um He's, however, going to be in the hot seat in the sense that he has to get Bayern back on track ASAP, which is, you know, no small feat, you know, for the reasons I've mentioned uh, just now. But you have to just, at this point, you have to just look at, you know, what Bayern can offer and what they, you know, where they still are struggling. And I think one of the things that Nagelsmann kind of has to get right is the balance in midfield because, um Sometimes it just seems that as much as people might see Jozo Kimmich as the one who's a little bit more defensive-minded and Goretzka goes box-to-box, box, Kimmich still does have a very forward-thinking mind in football. And I wanted to get your opinion because Kimmich kind of got, got uh, nailed by Marcos Babe in 
uh, terms of media trouble, so to speak. Um, Marcos Babel, for the people who don't know, former Bayern player. Um, and and not Ryan Babel, like I thought. Not Ryan. Yeah, exactly. Not, not because uh, uh, I'm going to out you here, Billy. Billy got a little bit confused at the beginning when I told well, him about You didn't this. say Marcus Babel. You said, oh, I've got a quote from Babel. And I thought you meant, you know, yeah, okay, uh, hair dye enthusiast and former Liverpool and Fulham player. <laughs> Ryan Babel. I'm sorry. I'm just looking at your team that played against Leverkusen. Yes. I don't understand. There's too many midfielders in that team. When you've got Serge Gnabry on the bench, you can play wingers. Anyway, uh, give me the quote from Marcus Babel. Hit me. Okay, so this is what he said about Kimmich. At this point, I have the feeling with, with him that he just wants to shine and that because of his status, no one's allowed to, you know go at him and you know question him and he said that he thinks that Kimmy should also you know have a little bit of thicker skin and that's what made him strong in the past and now that status has kind of gone you know up in smoke so to speak and he's also said that Kimmy just doesn't seem to have you know the the tactical awareness anymore and that he plays as a midfielder sometimes as a center attacking midfielder sometimes as an eight and he plays all over the place and plays where he wants to but never where he should be i get it i do um my only thing would be you know it, it, he's so good for Bayern. <laughs> you know obviously there's going to come a point where someone has to tell him, no, this is your job. Yeah. You can't play center forward when we're one nil down or when we're drawing one or you have to do your job, leave it to the others. But he is, you know, he's, he's that leader in midfield. He has to be everywhere. Yeah. I mean, I think, you know, as good as Kimmich is, he still has also shown that, you know, also last season there were some times where he wasn't on par with what he showed the season before. Um, and it was just those couple of issues, basically, that, you know, he, he sometimes showed. But I would also think it's a little bit too harsh to say that he plays all over the park because he still has been... You know, one of the he is the guy who's basically always got a starting eleven guarantee, and I think to drop him right now is just going a step too far. Yeah, that's that's reacting out of pocket to something that, let's be honest, is a temporary blip. Yeah. On the subject of blips, uh, one that isn't very temporary. Actually, no, scrap that. I have something that I just wanted to uh to bring to the table because I saw it earlier, and uh. You know, he doesn't get the love he deserves, Iron Robin. Um, and he is, you know, uh, the second most injured player in modern football history. Uh, during his career, he was injured for 1,507 days, which is just over four years. Right? And in that time, he still managed to win the Premier League twice, the Eredivisie, La Liga, eight Bundesliga titles, 
a treble with Bayern in 2013 and a World Cup final. Oh, yeah, that guy has gotten way too much stick, way more than he deserves. Uh, so, yeah, one of the um, most uh, criminally underrated players. But uh, like I said, speaking of blips, one that isn't very temporary. It's the one at Borussia Dortmund. And uh, they played <laughs> FC Kern at the weekend, and there was a lot of talk about uh, Anthony Modeste going back to his former side, but it was Stefan Tigers the former Dortmund player. And, uh, yeah, he came back to haunt his former side. But 11 first-team players out injured. Over the summer, they uh, sacked their previous physio. And uh, I'd wager the new one isn't much better. <laughs> yeah, I mean, we all made a big deal about that, I think, um, when we heard about the physio. And, yeah, you just have to admit that, you know, it's just there's no real improvement at that point um looking at Dortmund yeah they've got a lot of injuries but they still have in my eyes the quality to compensate and especially when you've brought in two center backs who are supposed to shore up the defense and then they do nothing you know I'm sorry Schlotterbeck Schlotterbeck doesn't go with Stefan Tigges on that corner um, and Zulu just basically lets uh, Lubicic shoot. I think Eric Meyer had this great quote where he was like, look at this, Niklas Zulu, body of a fucking bear. And then he's just basically a raccoon when it comes to that shot. Uh, yeah. I can't argue with it. Also, Anthony Modeste. 14 touches on the ball in the first half. 14. Yeah, okay. But look, Modeste was never going to be a, a a good player. Yeah, but what I'm saying is that... Norman, he's just there to fill a gap while uh, Sebastian Allaire continues his treatment. Yeah, but some people have been saying, you know, Dortmund are almost playing with 10 men because Modeste just seems to be such, you know, and... He seems like he's just so far away from the rest of his team. But he just doesn't seem integrated properly. He doesn't seem to be, you know, integrated into the tactical side of, of things. And he just doesn't seem to be in the space where he needs to be. And it's just, it is just baffling. And also the fact, you know, that Kern made money off of him and got Stefan Tigges, who then incidentally scores his first bonus goal, as you said, that is poetry. It is poetry. And look, at this point, I think it is just going to have to be a case of Ed Tersic. He's going to just have to play Mokoko from the start. Exactly. Because, because look, I know they're trying to compensate for losing Haaland with a big target man. And, you know, Sebastian Allaire may very well be a good replacement when he comes back from his treatment but Anthony Modeste is just not it oh god no I think a lot they were hoping they were hoping for so much more and now you know when you look at it Dortmund have got Sevilla midweek in the Champions League which is a very very harsh and you know just a nasty opponent to have and then you've got Bayern at the weekend yeah that's going to be a massacre 
Yeah, which is which many. So I think Sky Sports basically went through it and um, went through basically Bayern's you know next three games at the time, uh, which were Leverkusen, Dortmund, and then Freiburg. And they were like, how many points will Bayern in crisis make from these three points? And then most fans were like, well, let's be honest. The only game they're going to drop points against, uh, or the only game where they're going to drop points is going to be Freiburg. And they're just going to massacre Dortmund and then use Dortmund as, you know, a punching bag as they always do. Which, in my unbiased opinion, I think may well happen again. Because <laughs> if Dortmund play like that, Jesus Christ. Yeah, look, okay, look. So many players out injured. But top-level football, competing for titles in the Champions League and domestic, the squad has to be better. Yeah. And like, probably probably an unfair reflection on Edin Terzic, given how well they played under him the first time. Yeah. But I think that was a case of it couldn't get much fucking worse anyway. <laughs> Whereas now there was this hype. This was supposed to be a new dawn, a new age at Dortmund. He will end up getting the sack. Probably not, probably not this season. But he will end up probably, again, it'll be in the midst of an injury crisis or something. Well, I mean, they're in the midst of an injury crisis right now. Well, you know what I mean? But at the moment, they're still in the top four. Just. Only just. Speaking uh, of another team whose manager could very well get the sack and was my pick for the first one to go, actually. I think we'll finish on a little bit of Gladbach with some Nicholas Fulkrug sprinkled on the top. Oh, you call me a wordsmith. Look at oh, you. My English teacher would be proud. Well, if we're being honest... Gladbach, they polished off Leipzig 3-0. That same team took the field against Werder Bremen and went down 3-0 in 13 minutes. What did I send you when it happened? I think I sent you a screenshot of the score and said Gladbach and the Gladbach. Exactly, because we've said it time and time again, this team cannot get any more inconsistent you can't just like you know we were talking about it a couple of weeks ago you know when they went and took off with a point from Bayern, which arguably at the time no one thought they would do because that was you know right after Bayern had their you know up their flashy first three matches i'll call them and everyone was like Bayern are just gonna breeze past uh gutbach and Janzoma pulled off his you know, his unbelievable saves and whatnot. But, you know, they took a point away from Bayern and they lose 1-0 to Mainz. They draw 0-0 with Freiburg, who seemed to be one of the teams to beat this season. They win 3-0 against Leipzig. And then they lose 5-1 against Werder Bremen. Are you kidding? I mean, if I don't know if you saw the fourth goal, but Ben Zabaini with about <laughs> yeah, five meters, a five-meter radius of pure space around him tries to clear a cross with his with his heel and scores a pretty spectacular own goal you know when it rains it pours but jesus christ man who who defends like that 
Yeah, okay. No, as much as that is Ben Sabayani's own fault, there probably is a lack. No one's told him he's got that space. Oh, God, no. Because, you know, a, for when as, the cross was... As good as Jan Zoma is, a fantastic shot stopper. I will not have the 19 saves against Bayern, though, because some of those were P-rollers along the floor. Um, I will be taking that up with the authorities, but I'm not getting into it again. Uh, he's not very vocal, which I'm sure you know as a goalkeeper, you have to constantly to shout. Well, so, exactly. I mean, I'm not sure if it's only Jan Zama to blame, but yeah, if no one's told him that he has that much space, something's gone wrong in that back line. Something has, goalkeeper included. And you can't, yeah, yeah no, you can't I'm, I'm, not, I'm not suggesting it's, it's completely his fault, but no, you know, it's, you, you look up further up the pitch as well. I think Marcus Turam, who did get their one goal, he's got the lowest chance conversion rate of any striker in the Bundesliga, which I'm not a massive fan of those stats. But if he's missing chance after chance after chance after chance, when do you go? Are we going to have to buy a striker? Well, the, I think one of the big problems at Gladbach is there's a lack of funds to do so. <laughs> you know, you do, they don't have a couple mil lying around usually. If oh, they're yeah. lucky, they're going to be making some money off of Marcus Turam well, and hoping that he scores. Fucking goals first. I mean, ironically enough, he did score their lone consolation goal against Vet, I believe. Yeah, but, you know, come on. It's not like a, a certain other striker for the opposite team who's the current league top scorer with seven goals this season. Yeah, who would have thought Niklas Fulkrug, the gap from Bremen, Werder Bremen because of his because uh, of the gap in his front teeth. Fuck, fuck me. German humour really is broken. If he was English, there's no way his nickname would be The Gap. Yeah, okay, but it translates so much better in... Uh, what, what is it in German? in German? Tell me in German. Die, die Lücke aus Bremen. Okay. Because you, you have a Zahnlücke, which is a gap in uh, a gap in your teeth, but in German, like having a like a gap in your teeth isn't three separate words; it's one word, so it's you know it makes more sense. Anyways, bad translation, but yes, he's the top scorer, and judging by Germany's performances against England in the Nations League and against Hungary as well, at what point does Hansi Flick go? Maybe I do need a real number nine to put in there. And who do I call? Nicholas Fulkrug. It may, may very well be. I'm not going to lie, though. If I see Nicholas Fulkrug at the World Cup in a Germany shirt, I'm actually going to laugh because this guy, he's just, he, it'd be, it'd be the equivalent, it'd almost be the equivalent of when Germany took. Oliver Neve from then Bundesliga 2 side, Borussia Mönchengladbach, to the World Cup 2006. Yeah, but it's just a different... I'm not suggesting he'll start. He probably won't play much, but it's just a different option if you need that target man. Well, yeah, it's it's the classic, you know, we need a target man in the last, uh, last 10 minutes of the game. You know, maybe a corner, maybe just some kind of cross. Basically, the Hail Mary to throw. And I mean, he's got three goals in nine appearances for the Germany under-20 side after making his debut in 2012. So, you know, Wait. he knows the team. No, I'm, oh my God. I'm actually really curious to find out uh, who was who else was in that team. So, uh, oh, talk, no, no, talk no, that's, amongst, a, that's a... 
Talk amongst yourselves, class. I was about to say that that was that's a research project. That's I really, I project. really want to know um, who was in that team. Oh, I'm not going to find this, am I? Talk amongst yourselves. Any more wacky German words for us, Lewis? Nah, no, that was uh, that was that was kind of it. Um. Oh, here we go. Germany, uh, uh, yeah, which the month before he made his debut, but it'll be the similar similar team, I reckon, after <laughs> they played China. I don't recognise any of these players. Hold on. Um... Lotzen. Hold on. Weinzing. Are you Are you kidding? Take a look at the goalkeepers, my man. Oh, substitutes. Oh, oh shit. Oh, damn. Timo Horn, Loris Karius, Alexander Schwolo. Okay, the goalkeepers were popping, but the rest of the team is not very good. Hey, Danny Da Costa, who now plays for Mainz. John Anthony Brooks. Robin Knochel, who plays for um, Union who's also, Berlin. He's also American, John Brooks. Okay, yeah, okay. Well, he, he switched nationalities. But also, Zed Kolasinac. Skodran Mustafi. Marvin Plattenhardt. Antonio Rüdiger. Are you kidding? Dude, Leonardo Bittencourt was also playing in that. Oh, what a man. What a man. I remember when he played for Dortmund. Exactly. So you, you dude, there were some there were some players in that. Sebastian Polter, who's right now playing for Schalke. Seb Polter, QPR legend. Oh, uh, Elias Kachunga. What a guy. Played for Paderborn at some point. Nico Schulz. Although, oh, awful, <laughs> awful player. Christoph Kramer. My point being, it's just an, a, a vast majority of that team not good enough to play for Germany. You say that, but Skodron Mustafi ended up becoming a World Cup winner. Oh yeah, that still <laughs> baffles me to this day. <laughs> hey, but Christoph Kramer also. Again, how? But you get my point. So it was just another one of those players yeah. that was probably not good enough to play for for Germany. But no. you know, if he's got if he's a league's top scorer, you kind of have to. Yeah, I mean I think I think it's well worth a well worth a chance. At least see what happens, you know, and it would have been ideal to maybe take him with during these uh this last round of Nations League just to see how he gels, but I don't know. It would be a last-minute addition, I think, or a long shot. But I think that's all the time we have this week. And, of course, don't forget to like, share, and subscribe to AT Sports News on Facebook, Twitter, and Instagram to get the latest news on all things happening in the Premier League and the Bundesliga. And also make sure to check out our previous episodes on Google Podcasts, Apple Podcasts, and Spotify. But as always, thank you very much for listening, guys. Keep calm and love the beautiful game.